When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Sunday, December 9th, 2018, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Evan Valenti pinch hitting for Adam Kaufman here on this Sunday, episode 292, featuring the Boston Globes' Chad Finn, is brought to you by Action Heat. Go to actionheat.com slash Boston or use the coupon code Boston at checkout to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's actionheat.com slash Boston with the promo code Boston at checkout to save 20%. Another episode of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media. Evan Valenti filling in for a very sickly. Adam Kaufman. Adam, uh, get better. Uh, just filling in, pitch hitting real quick. He'll be back next week, hopefully. Hopefully he's feeling better. Uh, but I hope uh, a speedy recovery uh, for Adam. Uh, happy holiday season to all of you out there listening to the show. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher. Follow us on CLNS Media, all that fun stuff. Leave us a review, a rating, all that fun stuff we love comments whether it's constructive whether it's funny you want to make fun of me you want to make fun of adam doesn't really matter we love hearing from you guys make sure you follow me on twitter at evan valenti and adam kaufman is at adam m kaufman um we're going to welcome in our guests though for this week uh i mean chad you've been kind of busy as like the media watchdog overlord with everything that's going on at eei with kirk minahan and everything you've been kind of busy my man yeah always busy it never ends around here you know uh <laughs> this uh, it, it, media feels like the the fifth major sport in in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in the Boston market. Maybe uh, you know it might be ahead of. Uh least one of the other sports so yeah, yeah. it uh, never slows down always interesting definitely had a boston college i don't know if it's any any front of the four major sports but definitely above bc or any of the <laughs> collegiate programs uh around the uh, the commonwealth here and i gotta be honest with you man it's uh, catching at a good time i think you're you're getting ready for a basketball game yourself your daughter has a jv game coming up in a, like an hour and a half yeah, my daughter, who was in uh, second grade just two years ago, it seems like, yeah, is, uh, making her making her high school debut tonight. Wow! So, uh, so I know it goes uh, goes. They tell you it goes by fast when you're a parent. They're, they're lying. It goes by even faster than uh, than they tell you. It's crazy. So you, you gotta gotta enjoy every moment of it uh, as a parent, even the ones that, that drive you crazy. Got any big influences? Big influences for her, like Dana Tarasi, Sue Bird. Does she, you know, mix a little <laughs> bit of like Kyrie a little? I get you know, give us her profile here. Well, I have a picture in my home office yeah. of uh, the eighty Celtics and Lakers jumping at center court, and when she was no older than two, 
um, she could uh, identify Larry Bird out of the photo. So I brain, brainwashed her with that pretty quickly. And uh, you know what? You, it's really interesting nowadays. I mean, it's, it's Curry and the Warriors for every kid, boy or girl. That uh, the, the NBA nowadays has really captured the imagination of kids uh, probably more than it has at any point since the 80s when I was growing up. So it's really great to see. You know, the NBA right now has as appealing a and diverse a group of players as you could possibly imagine, and it's really having an effect on on the younger uh, demographics. I've kind of been fortunate to live that with my kids. Yeah, I feel that. I was do I was playing pickup with some younger kids, like high school kids, the other day. It was it was at the Y. You know, all 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 they want to do is take deep threes, and I'm like, guys, that is you, true. I'm like, you guys, you know, Curry's good at layups too. <laughs> You know, the guy knows how to get to the rim pretty well. You know, his predecessor, I would say, is Steve Nash. Steve Nash could get to the rim at will, and he knew how to pass. So, guys, it's not all yeah. about deep threes anymore. You know, I never wanted to write one of those cliched columns about how Curry's ruined basketball because I think the 90s Knicks ruined basketball and they finally <laughs> got it back. But uh, it really has in terms of how kids play it. They all want to do that. They all want to be Curry or they all want to have the – the crazy handle. And it was kind of that way with Iverson, too. You'd play with the young guys who thought they were Iverson. Nobody but Iverson was Iverson. But uh, nowadays, it's just people bombing. I still play and drag my butt up and down the court in a men's league, and it gets frustrating against uh, younger players because they just want to jack shots up. And I, I'm not, like, talking about being George Mikan or anything, but, you know, you can make a, an entry pass to the post every once in a while. That's yeah. my old man rant. Uh, no, it's okay. That's, and I, I'll be honest with you. I'll, I said not to make this like tangential thing, but you know, I, I people ask me all the time about the Monday night football game the other night that was Rams Chiefs. It was fifty four fifty one the final, and everybody's like, "Oh, look how great that was! Isn't that awesome?" I'm like, "No, fifty four fifty one was entertaining, sure, but did it, does anybody want to play defense at any point during any one of these games? I mean, I don't mean to be that guy of like yelling in a cloud, but back in my day." When the Patriots were, you know, one of their first run of Super Bowls here, they won it primarily because defensively they were in a different league than everybody else. Now it's just yeah. throw, 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 throw the ball. And now we're getting to a point, and again, I don't mean to get on football, but we're getting to a point where I think teams are forgetting about, you know, clock management now. I, I mean, Andy Reid's been, forgotten about clock management for the past 20 years, but you look at some of these teams <laughs> – they score too quickly, and you don't even, like, right. I'll go back to the, 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 the game against the Chiefs Sunday night, Patriots-Chiefs. The, the Chiefs had the ball with, like, 3.20 left in the game. They were down a touchdown. Mahomes scores in seven seconds because that offense is unbelievable, right? Well, Tom Brady gets the ball back, looks at the clock, and goes, well, you guys aren't getting the ball back ever again, so thanks for playing. We'll see you guys next time. Pats win by three points, 43-40. Like, all these high – like, sometimes – you know, things were better the way they, they were. Like, I remember interviewing Mike Gorman this summer, and we were talking about college basketball and about how college basketball back in his day, quote-unquote, was better because you had rivalries. You had guys that would stay three or four years and right, develop right. And, and actually work on skills. It's not like a factory anymore. There used to be actual development that would take place in college basketball, Chad. Yeah, it sucks. because uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up in that era where Mike was the voice of the Big East and – uh, you could anticipate the next season because guys would be back. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't Kentucky having Carl Anthony Towns one year and then the, the next number one pick the next year and then, the, you know, three top five guys, uh, top ten guys the year after that, and there's no continuity. You could uh, look forward to seeing Patrick Ewing for four years or Chris Mullen for four years or 
see Pearl Washington uh, go head to head with, you know, Mark Jackson at St. John's for a couple of seasons or whatever it happened to be. And that added so much more to the game. I, I, I love basketball at every level. I still like college basketball a lot, but uh, if you, you know, if you tell, told people today what it was like in the eighties, they wouldn't believe it because it's just so, so distant and far from what the college game is now where, uh, you know, where you see a guy for a year and then you're trying to figure out that whole season where he's going to go in the draft. Yeah, it's just way different now. And and as a guy who spent time following Syracuse halfway through, you know, I was a junior in college when they switched to the ACC. So I was I have one foot in the Big East, one foot in the ACC. I do miss I do miss Big East basketball. It was really something. And and, and I talked to Mike Gorman about it, and him and I were both really upset because you know he had that 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 thirty for thirty requiem uh, for the Big East, and I thought it was brilliant in that. And to watch him in Raftery uh, do commentary, I'm like, I just, I'm in heaven there. <laughs> I'm literally in heaven with those two guys. <laughs> Nothing better than that. Um, let's move on though, because we have to actually talk about the Celtics. Seas uh, have going, so we're recording. Yeah, we have to actually talk about the Celtics. Uh, we're taping this on a Friday, so coming off this Knicks game, the Celtics have won four in a row. They're playing Chicago uh, coming up. It looks like Kyrie's going to play in that, so I'm going to guarantee a win here. Not a big deal. So probably by the time you listen to this, it'll be five in a row. Um, seems like Boston's putting things together at the right time, Chad. In your estimation, what is the biggest reason for this? Uh, it seems like the lineup changed more than – well, the biggest reason is they're making more shots than they were before. <laughs> right. I remember uh, I took a look at it when they were 10-10, and 10, and uh, the shooting percentages on the team were brutal. Yeah, I think at the, that point in time, Tice was shooting 61%, which is fantastic and, and not that – not uh, that unexpected given where he generally shoots from other than the occasional three, but Mar- Marcus Morris was at 48%. And then everybody else is just garbage. You know, it was uh, Jalen Brown was like in the thirties and 62% from the line and 20 something from three and Hayward's percentage was way down. And, you know, Irving's was fine, but uh, everybody else was well below where you thought they would be. Uh, and that's kind of changed a little bit. And it seems like the impetus, maybe it's coincidence or maybe it's, maybe it is the impetus for it is this lineup changes that Brad and me putting Marcus Smart in the starting lineup, starting Marcus Morris and uh, giving him a pretty good run there at uh, forward uh, based on how well he's played all season. And uh, for whatever reason, it's worked. Haywood's done a real good job coming off the bench. Jalen Brown was excellent against the Knicks, uh, 21 points in his comeback from his injury. So seems like the change uh, made a difference and it seems like, the logic that eventually some of those open shots would start falling has finally happened, and uh, it's led into a four-game winning streak so far. We can go five. We can we can make it five. Chicago is garbage. Anyway, if um, Kyrie didn't play, would you still guarantee it? Oh, that's a tough one, huh? Uh, yep. I I think I still would. I don't. I don't. I just don't think the Bulls really. I mean, they're a mess. I mean, guard packs again. You know, they bring in their guy, Fred Hoiberg, and then all of a sudden he's not – and they don't put a team around him and they fire him. Like, I don't, I just don't understand the logic inside of what's going on in Chicago right now. I mean, they, they got lucky that Levine can actually play. Um, Jabari, not so much. And they took took a shot on Chris Dunn. That really hasn't worked. So, like, I just don't I, – I, I honestly feel bad for Hoiberg in this in this scenario. He's never had a team – He him and Jimmy Butler never got along, and then he's never gotten a team that can actually coach, so then he gets fired, and we're supposed to look at Fred Hoiberg like he failed here, and it's reality, it's guard packs, but I don't want to get into – they're a disaster. Um, I do right. want to talk about the new starting lineup, though, because you brought that up. The new starting lineup of Kyrie, Smart, Tatum, Morris, and Horford have played 80 minutes together. 
They have an offensive rating of 119.2 per 100 possessions. Their defensive rating is 106.4. So that's a difference of 12.8, which is really, really, really solid. So basically, they outscore their opponents by 13 points per 100 possessions when those guys are on the floor. And right. if you go to the old starting lineup, they were getting absolutely roasted on both ends. Offensively, they were bad. Defensively, they weren't nearly as good. They just they just didn't have any continuity. And I think for me, Chad, just I think that there's too many guys that have no idea what role they're in. You know what I mean? Right. Like you just no. have to, you have too many guys. You have Jalen and Jason who went from you know we're the reason why you know we're here in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. We're going to Game Seven against LeBron. You know Tatum was. Toe for toe with LeBron in Game Seven, he was spectacular. Now they take a backseat to Kyrie and trying to figure out where Hayward fits in. And now taking some pressure off Jalen and, and Hayward to kind of find their rhythm in the second unit and just beat up on other second units has really worked out for them. Meanwhile, Marcus Smart, you know what he does. Like he comes in, he's an energy guy. He's going to rebound the basketball. He's going to facilitate the ball a lot. Uh, he is going to hustle after every loose ball imaginable. Marcus Morris is basically just going to shoot and play defense. Kyrie kind of, you know, constructs everything. Horford is the ultimate chess piece. And Tatum, you know, picks and chooses his spots and is still figuring out really how to play with this group. But just from a role standpoint, these guys seem to understand how they fit with each other better than the original starting lineup. Yeah, I, a lot of the credit for that, I think, goes to Marcus Smart. I mean, the, the first game that he started, he played, I think it was 40 minutes. And what's the worry when Marcus Smart plays a lot? He's going to jack up a lot of bad shots. You know, that's, that's uh, he, he's one of my all-time favorite Celtics. I like oh, yeah, definitely. That. I, I, I like him personally. I wish he wouldn't shoot as much as he has in the past. In that game, when he played 40 minutes, he only took eight shots. And that, to me, was a sign that he understands what they're asking him to do here. They need him to go out there, the most, uh, I don't want to say unstable player, but the, 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 the most, uh, the, the, the wildest wild card that they have putting him out there they needed him to stabilize things and he did and he did what was asked of him and he has continued to do those Marcus Smart things that people who don't follow the Celtics night after night after night they might be skeptical that uh, you know Mark the little things that he does we're exaggerating them we're not he does those things and they help you win uh, we saw it the postseason last year we've seen a uh, we saw it against Houston last year when he mentally tormented James Harden the best the game we've seen time and time again and He's doing those things now. It's made a big difference. Uh, in, in terms of everything else, I think I understand where Brown and, and Tatum are coming from. They did help get that team to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, and if they hadn't forgotten Tatum was on the roster in the last six minutes of that game, they might have won. I mean, he had the dunk and the three-pointer that put him ahead, and then I don't think he had a meaningful shot again until the last minute or so of the game. They, they uh, That kid had a right to be to be supremely confident coming into the season. And Jalen did too. He he wasn't quite on the same level as Tatum or uh, certainly the explosive offensive player, but he took huge steps forward in his second season and had a right to feel good about his role on the team. And I think the Celtics made a little bit of a mistake in putting Gordon Hayward in there right away. They should have eased him back in a little bit more. They must have seen in practice that he wasn't ready defensively, that he was still a little bit hesitant near the basket in traffic, and that uh, probably would have been wiser, and I think Brad would say this himself, to ease him back in a little more. And so it feels like if Jalen Brown is really going to be as unselfish about his role as it looks right now, that, that the way things are organized at this point, 
is the way they're going to be and they're uh, the way they should be and they're working and that's uh it, it took them i don't think it took them a very long time to figure out what fixes what, what need, they needed to fix this team and i think we're going to see as the games mount here that uh, it was the right thing to do and they're going to really get rolling yeah they look, they look more confident they look like the energy's there that's the one thing that you'd watch the energy early in the part of the season like they would defensively have a lot of energy but then towards the end of possession they'd fall apart and then you know, you get into this this mix of, wow, we played a great defensive possession. It ends with an unfortunate offensive rebound, and then you just you kind of lapse yeah. defensively, and then you you get sloppy and lazy in the execution on the other end because you're pressing a little bit more. You know that in turn because it's like a snowball effect, right? You just have everything just ends up piling up more and more because you press so much. Mm-hmm. But again, you put two guys in, and again, I'm I'm with you on this. I think Mark is smart, and I think your former colleague Bob Ryan said it last week as well. You know, for all the detractions of his shot selection that we've had with Smart in the past, he has been such a rock. I, I, I'm stealing this via everybody's favorite Polish guy who puts highlights together, Timmy, on Twitter, um, Tomek. <laughs> Marcus Smart in his new role. I'm stealing this from him. I want to give him credit. Smart as a starter has played 120 minutes, Chad. He is averaging 5.5 assists per game in that span with only one turnover in 120 minutes. That's always been the most underrated thing about him is that he's a good playmaker. He's not flashy. He's not, uh, you know, he's he's not electrifying off the dribble or any of those sort of things. But he's a really good passer who sees, sees the court well, uh, doesn't lose the ball uh, too often. And, uh, you know, we talk about his defense, and that should be the first thing we talk about. And we complain about the shot selection sometimes. Certainly there's merit there, too, with his history. But, uh, he's good at a lot of different things on the court, and, and uh, finding an open teammate is one of them. So I'm not surprised by it. And I, the other thing, Evan, that I, I think was part of their issue uh, was that guys guys had a lot of belief in themselves. And, um, you know, if you're going to have a team where you've got six or seven or eight really skilled players and they all believe, all right, this is going wrong, it's up to me to step up and fix this. It's going to look ugly sometimes, but I think one of the things we realized is that everybody was coming from the right place. You know, that Jason Tatum felt like he was going to be an explosive scorer and that he could help them out uh, even with those mid-range jump shots that weren't going in. That uh, uh, you know, someone else trying to step up and uh, and pick up the slack in a certain time when they're struggling, it came from the right place. Whether it was Marcus Morris, whether it's uh, you know, Jalen Brown maybe uh, taking some ill-advised threes. I mean, he worked his butt off on his three-pointer at practice every day. He wants to become a better shooter. He works hard at it. It hasn't translated to the game, but we can't fault him for taking those shots sometimes. So uh, I think I don't think there was any divisiveness on this team. Maybe, you know, Terry Rozier is playing for contract a little bit, but for the most part, I think everything, even when it was going wrong, was coming from the right place in terms of what they were trying to do. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, a part of that goes back to Brad for getting these guys focused up and trying to figure out, you know, what buttons yep. to press and, and where to put guys where. And quick break from Chad to tell you today's show is brought to you by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing. It's heat on demand with a touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. It's awesome. I have a bunch of Action Heat stuff. Socks. I have like a thermal. It is unbelievable. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels. Basically similar to a heated car seat, but imagine that. 
all over your body. They can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. Action E batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing it. It's a perfect gift for any friend or family member on your holiday wish list here. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or basically anybody that just hates being cold. Like, seriously, you go outside, some of these blizzards, you're snowblown, you're clearing the car off, you're clearing the walk off, you're just trying to get everything under control. Uh, control your environment with Action E and with heatable clothing. It's the best. Action E provides toasty warmth and comfort for your entire body, include heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and more. And we have a special deal for our listeners. Save 20% off your entire order today. Just go to actionheat.com backslash Boston to check out everything that Action Heat has to offer. Again, that's actionheat.com slash Boston or use the coupon code Boston at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty and warm while you enjoy all of your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. Back to Chad. You know, you look at the way this team has kind of rolled through the past couple. I mean, they offensively, they are starting to put together some serious point totals. And, again, the, you know, who they've played, as Nick Wright has made, you know, somewhat uh, famous this morning, well, they haven't played in anybody the past couple of games. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, you know what? Sometimes you got to beat up on bad teams to get a good rhythm going. And the Celtics, since Thanksgiving, have been one of the most prolific offenses in the entire league. They have the best net rating in the entire league since Thanksgiving. Um, that comes via Dan Greenberg. They they have really put together a solid, solid effort. And I think it's 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 everybody on the team just kind of figuring out what their role is. You know, Morris, to start the year, was like such a godsend and was just on fire from everywhere. But now he's cooled off, but you see somebody else step up. It's kind of one of these old adages. And the one thing I'll say about this team, go, looking at it from the preseason, from before this even preseason even started, it was, wow, this team has so much talent. What are they going to do with it all? And it reminds me a lot of these championship teams that you see you know, whether it's Golden State, whether it was Miami under LeBron and Wade and Bosch, or whether it's even pretty much across all sports, like somebody at some point has to make some certain kind of sacrifice, right? Like there has to be somebody's got to swallow their pride and not score as much and not do this as much and not do that as much for the benefit of the overall team. And what I've liked recently are the two quotes that have come from Hayward and come from Jalen about coming off the bench. And Jalen the other night talking about how, you know, Hayward came off the bench and scored 30 points the other night was the biggest reason why I won the game against, you know, you know Minnesota, right? H- having that mindset of, like, whatever it takes to help this team, as you kind of alluded to, these guys have the right place of mind, like the right they – their heart's in the right place. They just don't know how to get there. Yeah. This is – this, to me, is a reflection on character, which I think is a reflection on Danny and a reflection on Brad. Like, these guys know what they're looking for. They look for the right type of players to fit in their system. And they look for guys with extremely good character, whether that's Jason Tatum, who's who sounds, you know, way more, uh, you know, a little way older than, than a 20-year-old, your average 20-year-old. Jalen Brown, you know, since he was drafted, has just always kind of played older, or at least sounded older than he really is. He, you know, attends Harvard business seminars, and, you know, you have Kyrie right. Irving who is trying to write a philosophy book, and you have all these guys that have, that play mature and have mature attitudes, and that's always been the thing with Marcus Smart from day one. That guy knew the history of the, of the team, knew what was important, what he brings. To the, I mean, just it feels like these guys have, it has, despite the fact the record might not be as great, they have the team you'd want to get into a dogfight in a seven-game series because everybody's going to contribute to winning, it feels like. Yeah, I feel like Hayward's a huge part of that because, uh, first of all, you can, 
I, I thought it was a really encouraging sign after the Minnesota game when everybody was so happy for him. You know, this is right. a guy who we know what he went through, but he was out all last season while these guys were succeeding. And he comes back and gets his job back right away and gets minutes from guys who feel felt like they, they earned those minutes last season. And so it could have, could have led to some awkwardness. And it, it's clear that uh, everybody in this team likes him and they felt really good for him after that happened. And conversely, you can see that he's really going out of his way not to be not to be a, a selfish superstar, you know, guy with a superstar ego. I mean, he's probably overpassing when he came back. It's, it's been kind of a revelation to me how great, a, how well he sees the court. It's kind of in the same way that Horford does, where he'll hit the guy on the opposite side, and you didn't even realize that guy was open while you're watching from the couch, you know, uh, just has a great vision. But um, it was clear he was trying to implement himself back in a little uh, slowly, and some of that I'm sure was in his mind about the foot and about the ankle. I mean, we think about it every time he goes into traffic. He must think about it too as well. But um, he seems to be willing to sacrifice part of his game. I, I'm sure in the back of his mind he wants to get back to that 20, 22-point scorer who is the focus of the team. You, you just want to be that guy. You were that guy, and you want to get back to that level who can. But He's uh, he, he's simplifying his game for the benefit of the team right now, even as he keeps getting better and better. And I think that really sets a great tone. I, maybe a lot of these guys don't need a tone set for them anyway, because like you said, uh, the character is a consideration with this team, a big consideration with this team. Um, but uh, it, it's good to see a guy with his salary and with all that he's gone through and with the fact that uh, they didn't really use him back. They played, you know, he got his job back right away, uh, that he's doing everything he can to fit in on the team and be the great teammate he is. And it's cool to see that it's reciprocated from those guys who are really happy for him after the Minnesota game. Yeah, that Minnesota game was, like, I did a a bit on uh, my sports show. I stole it from Van Pelt, where it's, like, the best thing I saw all weekend. And it was, (laughs) I was like, Gordon Hayward scoring 30 points at any point would be the best, but to do it so quickly coming back from again, one of the most horrific injuries I've seen live. Like I was, we were all watching the game. We all had so much excitement. Ugh. If that end five minutes was just like so heartbreaking and to watch and in like the efficiency he did it with and how smooth he looked. And just, I can't imagine what it was like being him. Was it Saturday night? Like last Saturday he scored 30. I mean, that must've been just such a great experience for him. And, and just to come back from all that. I mean, I, you know, we went through the process, right? We got to see a lot of his, his rehab and obviously we didn't go through it, yeah. but we got to see a lot of it, a lot of the sweat, a lot of the frustration. Um, and to watch him come back so quickly and, and do, cause again, you don't know, you don't know, you have no idea what he's going to look like. Like Paul George the other night had like 40 for Oklahoma city and to watch him do that, I thought was incredible. It's like, man, like these guys, like, they sometimes they come they come back and you, they take a while, but then they're the same guy again. And we never know with these with 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 Hayward and with George and you know Karis Levert was it Karis Levert that got hurt earlier this year? Yeah, yeah Brooklyn, in yeah. Brooklyn, and that's another nasty one. And you're like, you got to be kidding me! And Jeremy Lin's had how many torn ACLs? And you, it's just it's been you know kind of gross. But to watch him do that tonight was really special. Two things before we get you out of here, Chad. One, I've been I've noticed a little bit, and maybe I'm I'm not crazy, but maybe. I'm making too big of a point of this because a lot of times assist numbers go up when people are making shots. Like that's part of the bribe product right. of that. But I do think Kyrie's making more of an effort to share the ball. And so far this year, Kyrie has racked up 10 or more assists four games in four different games. He only did that once last year, and it was the first game of the season since Cle- uh, against Cleveland. So part of that is, A, 
people are making jump shots now. But B, I do think Kyrie's making more of an effort to be more facilitator and to like you know come out of the gates hot, get his team up early, kind of like the LeBron thing. Like he learned this from LeBron. You know, come out, put your stamp on the game early, let everybody know that you're here, then spend the rest of the game, you know, until the fourth quarter, getting everybody else involved and picking your spots. But getting everybody else involved, getting everybody else involved in the rhythm of the game, and then when it comes time for the fourth quarter, you're fresh, everybody's in rhythm, and you can attack the defense any way you really want to. And the the best example for me the other night was I think it was a bounce pass to Baines, and I forget who they were playing, but he had a double team. It might have been Cleveland, double team at the top of the key, and he's just dancing around. And Baines slips the screen, and he fit, he feathers the ball through two guys, a and a, on it, yeah. yeah, and hits Baines for the jam. And I'm like, I don't know if Kyrie's capable of that two three years ago, but now he is, and now he becomes a significantly more dangerous player to guard. Well, he might stop doing it if you told him he learned it from LeBron. Yeah. (laughs) It's absolutely true, though. And the other element of that is he takes over when he has to. You know, sometimes I feel like, I mean, I love that he's initiating the offense and trying to get other guys involved. But watching him when he's on, I feel like I wish he would shoot more because sometimes it feels like he just can't miss. But whether it's, you know, a 25-foot three that is uh, true out of his hand or – no exaggeration. He's the best best finisher in traffic for a guard I've ever seen. And it feels like half the time when he drives the hoop, he's just trying to create some new angle or trying to add another trick rather than just finishing it. And lo and behold, he does. He, he's so extraordinary at that. Now it seems like he finishes with one hand every time. You know that long one-handed plastic yeah. man layup that he does. But uh, I feel like he can score at will sometimes, and he doesn't do that unless it's absolutely necessary. Maybe it's. Maybe it's just the evolution of Kyrie into being uh, an even greater player and an even greater team player. But when I look at him sometimes, I think, this guy hit a shot in Steph Curry's face to knock off the 73-1 Warriors and keep them from winning a championship on the road. Uh, you know, he did it on the road. I mean, that is, uh, that is a guy who's accomplished about anything you can you want to accomplish in basketball in terms of clutch play and big, big moment play. And uh, I – Watching him do this now, it makes me anticipate what he's going to do in the postseason if everything, uh, if everybody stays healthy and you know this whole group is together. Because it looks like at 14 and 10, as we talk right now, they'll probably be better than that when we're done talking uh, when it's airs. But uh, it looks like they're really, really trending the right way, and he's the guy driving it. Yeah, and you look at the rest of the East, and you know I, I, that Toronto team is really good. I, I think that I think they're yeah. a legitimate threat. Um, I like the way Milwaukee plays. I'm not quite sure they're deep enough, but if Chris Middleton wants to play like he did last postseason against the Celtics, then I'm going to be absolutely terrified what this what this Bucks team looks like because that guy he did he want to talk about not missing. That guy did not miss against Boston no. in that seven game series, and I was more terrified of him than any player on Philly and then any player on Cleveland not named LeBron James. That guy was absolutely terrifying. Um, and the way he just hit big shot after big shot, um, I love I love the way the Bucs are playing. I'm not quite sure if they're totally there, and I don't think as much as people want to talk about Philly, I don't think they're deep enough. I think their spacing's terrible, nah. and I'm I'm not totally convinced that they're really ready. Um, but as you look at the Celtics now, and you look at them going forward, and you and I both agree that they're on the right track. What does this team does this team need anything, or is this the continuity they're currently building? Is that enough for them for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think they're probably headed for the second seed. You know, Toronto's off to such a fantastic start that you have to look at it and say they're going to sustain it. 
unless, uh, you know, Kyrie's quad acts up or something. And, or he decides he hates Canada or something along those lines. But, <laughs> or Kawhi, I mean. But, right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, they're uh, – I don't see what they need, really. I mean, it would be nice if Rozier settled in a little bit more. I'm, I'm not going to be one of those people who, you know, if he goes out and shoots two, two for ten in his next game, say, you got to trade him. He's playing for his contract because, you know what happens? They trade him and Kyrie's knee starts barking. That, that's right. how the world works, you know. You, you trade your really good backup point guard, and the, the guy who's starting uh, suddenly needs a backup. It's just uh, So I, I'd be reluctant to move him. Move him. I just hope he uh, – gets a little bit more comfortable and accepting of the role that he's in because uh, his teammates are there for him. They all speak highly of him, Kyrie more than anybody else. But uh, Rozier's still playing like, uh, you know, tens of million dollars hinge on every single performance where people know what he can do. They saw him in the postseason last year. Uh, they need to see him play a little bit more disciplined basketball this year. And uh, I think he'll get the money he's looking for. He just needs to settle down a little. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think partly – you know, we've talked a little bit about Marcus Smart, um, re, you know, reining in a little bit, right? You know, just kind of just not being as uh, crazy with his shot selection. I think part of that actually is he's not playing for a contract. He just got his contract. Now yeah. now it's more True. of, you know, what can Great I – Great point. Right, because, you know, he, part of the thing part of the thing with Marcus was, oh, man, what if he ever got a three-point percentage up? Whatever, what if that ever happens? And it, it's just never going to happen. <laughs> But uh, on that note, Chad, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I, I appreciate you joining me here on the weekend. Uh, good luck to your daughter tonight in her first game. Uh, hopefully, no injuries. That's all. I'm. That's all. The only thing I hope for now in sports is no injuries. Hopefully, everybody's healthy coming out of there, so you can play another one uh, whenever the next one is. So, uh, thanks for the time. Have a happy holiday, Chad, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, pal. We're setting the over under at four points. So uh, let's, let's get this going. There you go. Yeah, legalized gambling is now infiltrating the JV basketball world. Congratulations. <laughs> See you, bud. Take care, Evan. See you, bud. And that will do it for this episode of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Evan Valenti saying goodbye, but before we do, house cleaning things, housekeeping things, one of those two. Anyway. Make sure you follow us all over social media on Twitter. I'm at Evan Valenti, E-V-A-N-V-A-L-E-N-T-I. Adam M. Kaufman on Twitter as well. Adam, who normally hosts this show. Uh, Also, CLNS Media on Twitter as well. Make sure you follow this podcast on iTunes. Just subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe to our CLNS YouTube page because we post post-game sound, pre-game sound, practice throughout the week, not just for Celtics stuff, for Bruins, for Patriots, for everything Boston-related. We have you covered on that CLNS YouTube page, okay? Big shout-out to Chad Finn, my guy, for joining me here for the Boston Globe. I love Chad. He's one of my favorite people in the world. I love chat with him. Glad he was on the show this week, and thanks for helping out in a quick pinch, Chad. I was really appreciated. Also, shout-out to Adam Kaufman. Hopefully you feel better, buddy. I really hope you do feel better. I know it's literally to keep Adam off this show. He had to be, like, deathly – not deathly sick. He's going to be okay. But, I mean, he had to really fight. He texted me all of the week being like, man, I feel a little better today. That just didn't come to fruition. He'll be back next week, hopefully. Get well soon, my man. Also, shout-out to Nick Chelso, our CEO, Larry H. Russell, our executive producer, John Zanis, who's just the man in, in general. And most importantly, you guys out there listening to the show. I love you guys very much. We'll see you next time right here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of your Boston Celtics.